Hello, and welcome to the Wild River Podcast. This is a podcast celebrating self-expression, celebrating living in alignment with our authentic selves with confidence and excitement and, you know, exploring what that looks like. We talk a lot about spirituality here because to me, spirituality and spiritual modalities have been incredibly helpful for me to live in alignment with my authentic self. And it's become part of my worldview. My name is Sam. I'm the host of this show. And, you know, I haven't really been producing a lot of podcast episodes lately, not totally on purpose. I took a really exciting trip to Hawaii I had some new work opportunities and it left um, a little bit of a break. It created a little bit of a hiatus for a few weeks. And now I'm back and I have a bunch of episodes up and coming. And I'm really excited to be with you all again in your ears and in conversation with you. In today's episode, we are talking about human design, one of my favorite things to talk about, one of the most powerful modalities I've come across. And we're talking about a specific aspect of human design called authorities. Your authority, so everybody has a human design chart or a human design, and it tells you a bunch of different information. And one of the key pieces of of information is called the authority. And the idea is everybody has a unique inner authority that helps you make decisions in a way that's aligned for you. It helps you connect with your intuition. My dear friend, Nadia Last, and I, one of my human design partners and buddies, talk about authorities in this episode. And we actually have already talked about the human design authorities. We have a part one to this episode. I think it's my most recent episode where we talked about the majority, you know, the three most popular authorities that make up for over 90% of people. So we talked about the emotional authority, the sacral, sometimes called pure authority, or the splenic authority. But today we're going to get into all the other authorities. We're excited to bring this conversation to you. It's a very useful, practical way to make decisions and to consider how you are designed to connect with yourself, with your voice, with your inner sense of direction. I will just, you know, not take up too much time. Let's get into the episode. But I do want to say before I do, If you are vibing with this episode, if this connects with you, come find us on Facebook. Excuse me, not Facebook. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Come find us on Instagram. My Instagram is Wild River. It's just the at sign Wild, W-I-L-D, River, R-I-V-E-R. Nadia's is at Nadia Last underscore N-A-D-I-A Last L-A-S-T underscore. We talk about human design. We talk about a lot of things. You can learn about all the different podcast episodes, offerings, circles that we do. We love community events. We're doing a human design training. We talk about it in here. And it's a great place to connect with us. If you liked this episode, send me a DM. I love hearing from you. Tell me what you liked about it. And I'm really looking forward to connecting in the future. Hello and welcome back. I am sitting here with Nadia Last and we are doing a part two on human design authorities. So your authority is how you make your decisions in human design, how you connect with your intuition. And if you haven't already heard our part one, I recommend you go and listen to that, particularly anybody who's a emotional, a sacral or a splenic authority. Um, But we're going to be getting into the rest of the authorities today. Nadia, how are you doing today? Oh my goodness, Sam. I'm doing really well. Uh, I feel good today. It's uh, the summer season. I feel like moves so quickly and it's really wild to me that we just finished our first round of human design training at the end of June and that we're gearing up for our second cohort of human design training in the fall. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be amazing. And we already have a really amazing cohort that's kind of like coming together for for this crew, for this learning environment. And I feel like we've made some really amazing adjustments and improvements to this experience since even the first round based on the feedback that we received. I agree. And, you know, before we get into authorities, let's 
you know, part of human design training, of course, is talking on authorities, but let's talk about human design training a little bit for those who may not know about it or um, haven't had the chance to check out the details of it. So Nadia, what is human design training? Oh, human design training is the training program that Sam and I wish that we had when we were first studying about human design. It's the foundations and much deeper into the system and sort of the nuances going really, really deep into something like gates and channels, which I feel like is really missing in the space. But at its core, it's a 14-week immersion. It's a deep dive into human design as a system so that you can better understand yourself, so that you can better understand the people in your life. And so that if you want to start adding human design readings to your offerings, whatever it is that you do in the world, uh, even to your teams at work, if you work in a corporate space, you would feel really comfortable pulling up a chart and knowing exactly how to read that chart and, and what elements to pull out based on understanding that person's energetic signature. What would you add to that, Sam? I would add that it's not just a experience to learn. It's really a place for self-discovery and connection and deep community. Like that was the part that was so interesting. And we've received just incredible feedback along the way. And then now at the end of, of folks who joined during our last round, but one of the pieces that people tell us that they're so surprised by was just how much of their own discovery process, how much they learned about themselves, how much they, in, in some ways, really deep and transformational ways, um, and how what a joy it was to do it surrounded by other really thoughtful, spiritually curious, and open-hearted people. Yeah, it became this incredible circle of humans that were supporting each other and cheering each other on at whatever stage in life they were in. We had folks who were changing careers. We had folks who were retiring after many years in a, in a career. We had folks who were um, deciding what was next or, or really knew exactly what they were doing and just needed some sort of like support from others to say, I see you keep going. And that's what I received from human design training. I left feeling so refreshed that the world can be a very chaotic place. And this was such a beautiful, safe and loving container for um, people to just like do some inner inquiry and understand themselves in a safe place. I agree. And that was what was so fun about it too. You know, human design training is absolutely for anybody who knows they want to do human design readings. Let's say you've been self-studying for a little bit and you just want to learn from teachers that you can have so much space to ask questions and you can get more resources and you can be engaged in thoughtful conversations around human design. You want to meet a bunch of people who are into human design. This is a great space for that. But look, when I did my first human design training, I never really suspected I would give readings. I just was so fascinated. And so I also want to tell you, if you're just keep loving human design, and I know that there are people who are joining this cohort who are in this camp, they don't have a particular vision of what they want to do with it. They just know that they keep being pulled to the system, that they can't get enough. And the the what they have learned has helped them and has supported their evolution and their confidence and their ability to live more aligned and authentic to themselves. And so they're just like, okay, well, I don't know what's what's on the other side of this, but I'm in because I just it, there's something nudging me inside. Yes. And that's why we're doing this series of podcast episodes about authority, because we want you to actually access your inner authority. And if you've been following along, you know that authority is never in your mind. So your mind might not be able to understand exactly what it is that you're going to do with it. But if your authority is telling you like there's something in the system for me and I want to learn in a place that's actually like I'm getting to know the people and I'm able to really engage with the facilitators of this experience, we would love to have you. And Sam, I would love to know why would somebody join human design training with us versus other courses or learning experiences that are out there? I've been thinking about this a lot because there's a ton of programs being released right now. Like pretty, it feels like everybody is putting out a new program, all the teachers that I would follow or people that are in the space, but honestly, none of them are really that similar to ours. And the, there's a few things that I'm seeing. The main thing is that many of these programs are very, very large. There's no cap on them. They, these are people with huge audiences and they're really big programs. And so either you don't have an opportunity to ask life questions or you do, but they're 
much more limited. Like you might be able to ask a handful of questions over the whole time, because if you just have 20 minutes for Q and a, and there's 150 people, you're not going to have a lot of space to get your questions, get your voice. And for the teacher to actually know your chart, that's another thing that's really different about HTT. We have everybody's charts. We know it. We pull their examples. We have a, we study them and we teach with that in mind of who is in this cohort, where are they personally and from a human design perspective. And then the other thing, there's two, I'm not aware of almost any other program that has a real opportunity to connect and to really meet and that the program really facilitates and encourages students or participants of the program to talk and get together outside of class and practice and form study groups, because that is hands down the best way to learn human design is to really connect with other people who you love to talk about it with. And then finally, most of the programs, not all of them, but most of them, particularly any of them that are in the length that we're at, only spend like two classes, four hours total on gates and channels. I look at these and it's wild to me because I see these teachers saying, we're going to get into all the gates and channels. And then I see on the schedule that it's listed for four hours and that's supposed to include Q&A. And it's not possible. Nadia and I have 12 hours of HCT to get dedicated to gates and channels plus additional content and time for Q&A and office hours because that material is deep and dense and is also super interesting. And important to understanding someone. And um, Sam, I agree with all of those points. And I think that we would be doing this program a disservice if we didn't let folks know just how deep the learning experience is. Sam has done an incredible job creating all of these different integration quizzes and reading assignments that are optional each week from the definitive book. And um, all of these touch points to basically integrate the information. We actually do a lot of different quizzes uh, while we're teaching. So we'll put up a chart and we'll have people sort of integrate by sharing, like reading the chart as they go and synthesizing the information that they've learned, which I find to be so helpful. And I want to read some of the bonus content that we have in uh, the, the course, which we facilitate through Google Classroom. We actually just recorded a bonus module about the primary health system, the PHS arrows yesterday, which is really exciting. I have an example reading that I did with one of the cohort members from the last cohort who agreed to share. Um, we have one about split definition and, and single definition. We have one about running a human design business and the tools that you need. Uh, we have another module about the planetary placements and a deep dive into sun, moon, earth, and what all of those different planets mean. We have one about the profile lines, uh, a deep dive there. And basically, like if you have a left angle or a right angle and all of this, like it's just deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think that it's just a really nourishing um, learning environment for as deep as you want to go. And you'll have access to that content for a year after the course ends. And you can download it so you can have it forever. And just to clarify with the profile lines, we spend a full two and a half hour class time on profile lines. And then we just also produce an extra video that just goes into some of the more mechanical, technical aspects of it for anybody who wants to have that extra level of depth. Totally. Yeah. It's so fun. Check out our websites. You can see the testimonials. You can see the details. We just received such wonderful feedback. We can't wait to do it again, but I think it's time to get into authorities. Let's do, do you it. Agree? But, Let's do yes, it. I totally agree. But first I want to say that our human design training program starts Wednesday, September 7th. So whenever you're listening to this, mark your calendar. Uh, we'd love to have you join before then. Yes. And it'll be on Wednesdays evenings. Time is found on our website. We'll link that in the show notes. Um, and if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. We are here to talk with you and answer any questions that you have. All right. Let's get into authorities, Sam. Let's get into it. So as a reminder, as an update, authorities are one of the most foundational parts of human design. So there's two parts of your human design that it's just learn first, keep coming back to. If you know those things, that's really the most important. You actually don't have to know anything else in your chart. You might want to, but you don't, you don't need to because your strategy and authority are so important. So the first is energy types. And Nadia and I have these amazing deep dive energy type podcast episodes that you can go back and listen to. The energy type tells you your role in the world. So you have the projectors, which is Nadia as a projector. I'm a manifesting generator. Plus there's the generators, the reflectors, and the manifestors. The other equally foundational, equally important 
part of anybody's human design is called their authority. Their authority is how they make decisions. It's how they make decisions that are aligned for that individual person. And somebody's authority isn't necessarily, you know, someone could be a projector and have different authorities. Um, someone could, you could have two manifesting generators with two different authorities. So they don't necessarily um, match up based on energy type, although they might. And your authority helps align you to your intuition. I think of it as my authority aligns me to divine timing. And it's the way that my intuition most powerfully speaks through me. Nadia, what would you add to that? I just think the intuition piece is so spot on. And so many people in the wellness and spirituality spaces are talking about intuition. But what's difficult is that it's not a one size fits all. We all have unique intuitive faculties that we can use within ourselves to understand what is best for me moment by moment. And Sam and I have completely opposite authorities. I mean, not completely. They're not oppositional, but um, it, it's just really helpful for us in business decisions because we'll go back and forth and we create, we create space for both of us to have a different decision-making process, which is so liberating. And the three authorities that we talked about in part one of this series is uh, sacral, which is gut-based, being able to know in the moment based on your gut, what am I feeling really lit up by? What do I have energy to do? And what do I not? Uh, The second authority that we talked about is Sam's authority, which is emotional authority. And those folks really need to ride their emotional wave and feel into their bodies around decisions. It's not correct for them to make decisions in the moment. They need to ride it out and wait and really feel into the emotions around the decision and wait for that sort of neutrality to come through after they felt everything that there is to feel. And then finally, we talked about my authority splenic or part of your spleen. And that's also in the moment, but it's much more subtle. It's nuanced. It's, it's kind of like, I think of it as a spidey sense and it's your intuitive faculty saying like, huh, you should go over here. You're not safe over here. You should eat at this restaurant or not. And so it's kind of like a subtle whisper that you have to tap into. And those three authorities make up the majority of people. I don't remember the exact number. I want to say it's around 90%. Nadia, do you have it? Yeah. So emotional is 51%, sacral is 33%, and splenic is 9%. So whatever that is together, yeah, I can calculate so, it. Okay. So it's it's the far majority. And so most people will fall into one of those three authorities, but there's an additional 93%. And there's an additional five authorities that the rest, the remaining 7% of people will use to make their decision-making. And anybody who falls under these authorities that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the ego projected, the ego manifested, the self-projected, the mental authority or sounding board could be called either, and the lunar authority, which is reflectors. And anybody who has one of those five authorities is either a manifester, a projector, or a reflector. If you are a manifesting generator or a generator, you automatically have either a sacral or emotional authority for reasons that are a little bit hard to describe on a podcast. Um, So there are no manifesting generators or generators that will have any of these authorities, but if I have any MGs or generators listening, still stick around because you might learn something about how some of your friends or family or just other people in the world experience um, their decision-making. Absolutely. Yeah. So shall we start with our, our ego manifested and projected folks, our ego authorities? Let's do it. So anybody, well, Nadia, you live with somebody with an ego projected. Would you like to just describe the ego authority generally? Totally. So if you have ego authority, first of all, you're very rare. There's only 1.5% of the population who has this as their authority. And what's very rare about ego authority is that you need to figure out what is in it for me. I've heard it described as enlightened selfishness, meaning somebody with ego authority needs to figure out like, what do I want? What's in it for me? You know, when they're making a decision, they're going to weigh the pros and cons and figure out, okay, like, what am I going to get out of this? Is this innately motivating to me? And those with ego authority have to really drop into their heart space and, and ask their heart, like, am I intrinsically motivated by this opportunity or does this not excite me? And the ego authority is really interesting because it's this authority that doesn't necessarily rev up the motor for just anything. 
And when somebody is deeply motivated by something, their heart is going to be really engaged in whatever it is that they're doing, but then they need to give themselves a lot of rest time as well. So that's a really interesting facet of it. But Sam, what would you add to that description? I would agree. And I would say anybody with an ego authority has a strong sense of willpower and ambition, particularly when their heart's in something, as Nadia said, when that really excites them. And so, and often a a real sense of autonomy and independence. And so they will need to see, okay, well, what is exciting me? Where's my ambition wanting to be directed? Where's this willpower and drive taking me? And can I prioritize that? So certain shadow sides that can come up or challenges maybe is a better way to say for ego authority is feeling selfish. Um, Or maybe they were told in the past, oh, you're selfish. You're just thinking about yourself. And it's really important for ego authority people to give themselves permission to really see what's in this for me. How is this going to benefit me? What is it that I want? It's all about speaking from this voice of I and me. So what is that voice actually saying for people who have maybe been people pleasers their whole life, or maybe where you just were in a position where you could really ask yourself what's in it for you. This can be a really challenging authority to align to, but it's important. There's two distinctions between the ego authority. Do you want to get into those? Yeah. So there are two sort of like subgroups of the general ego authorities. So the first is ego manifested. And these are our manifestors who have ego authority. And then there's ego projected. And these are our projectors that have ego authority. So let's start with ego manifested. Ego manifested folks are manifestors. They're going to have really powerful voices. And if you've listened to our manifestor deep dive, you know, manifestors are meant to initiate. They're here to get things started. And so not every manifestor has ego authority. It's still a fairly rare type of manifester. But when they have ego authority, they have a very strong voice and they need to listen to how their voice is speaking about things, where their voice is directing them to. And as they speak, they're going to recognize and attune to what am I motivated by? Where is my willpower bringing me right now? And manifestors with ego manifested authority, they will sometimes surprise themselves as as they speak and recognize, wow, there's actually a lot of willpower, drive and determination that's directing me toward this thing. So trusting their voice. And then the second subgroup, which my partner is a part of, is ego projected. These are our projectors that have ego authority. And it's a very rare form of projector. And these folks um, do not have as strong of a voice. It's more that they have to tap into their heart space, their their sense of self and their, their willpower and their determination and motivation. And so they are here to really also trust like where their willpower is determined, like driving them, but it's going to be more of a body-based sensation for them. And just to share a small anecdote, when I found this out about my partner, everything kind of clicked into place. And I think finding out that he was ego projected authority in many ways saved our relationship because early on, I would get really frustrated that he wouldn't do small things for me, such as pick me up from the airport when I came back from a long trip. And knowing this now that the way he makes decisions is always what's in it for me. It helps me be a little bit more, um, take things less personally if he doesn't decide to do things for me, because he's really always constantly thinking, you know, what is my heart in? And is, is this intrinsically motivating for me? Now we've been able to meet each other in the middle where I've been able to communicate like when it's a really long trip, it would really mean a lot to me if you pick me up from the airport. But just recognizing he doesn't love me any less when he doesn't choose or or natural, naturally um, think of me when he's making decisions. I think that's a really important distinction. And I'd be I if you are open to it, I would love to hear from you. Let's say there's someone else out there who's like my partner's ego manifest or ego projected or someone in my life. I'm having a hard time asking or getting their help for certain things because it's there's nothing in it for them, but I need that to feel supported and loved in this relationship. Do you have any suggestions about how to go about doing that in a way that's supportive for this ego authority, but also honors the realities of partnership? Yeah, that's a great question, Sam. So the ego, the, the heart space is all about bargains. It's all about like, what's in it for me? Like I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. And so where I've been able to, to kind of like work with my partner here is I think of it as filling up the relationship bank. So it's not that I'm constantly withdrawing and saying, I need you to pick me up from the airport. I need you to do this errand for me. I need you to do X, Y, Z. It's like, I know that I need to fill up the bank a bit before I withdraw. So I'm constantly, and this is also 
part of where I layer in knowing his love language, if you're familiar with the five love languages, which is another sort of tool for understanding relationships. Um, And I really recognize the acts of service or doing things is so important to him. So I'm really conscientious of filling up the relationship bank and saying like, you know, here are all the things that I've done, not with the intention of being like, look at what I've done. Now you have to do things for me. But I find that there's so much more push and pull naturally when I'm filling up the bank more than I'm withdrawing from it, if that makes sense. I think it makes perfect sense. And, you know, I think this can be a conversation for another time, but there's this it's almost taboo. It feels like taboo to say that parts of relationships can be a little bit transactional and it's not transactional in the way that it's harsh or cold or like, like you said, like, well, I did this for you. So you have to do it for me because that just puts all these expectations, but there's some, sometimes in, I think in common day, you feel like, okay, my partner should just do all these. They should just always have like fresh flowers for me and just pick me up food all the time and do all these, like clean the kitchen when I'm not looking and all these things. (laughs) You know what you would want, Sam. (laughs) And sometimes I will come out and my partner will have just like clean the kitchen, even though it's totally my turn. But I also know that we do things and it is out of kindness, um, but we both kind of contribute to the bank. And if I felt like I was contributing a lot and he wasn't, or he was only withdrawing, we'd have tension, but it can feel like an act of love. It doesn't have to feel transactional, but there is a little bit of like, well, we're both partners here. So we both need to contribute and support each other. And I think people with an ego authority are just very, are going to be much more sensitive and attuned to that, we both need to be contributing here um, because they have so much of that energy that's around exchange and support. It's really supporting each other. I'll support you, support me. So if I never feel supported, then what's in it for me to support you? And I've been communicating with him too. Like I know that I have to really choose the hills that I want to die on carefully because he's not going to be innately motivated by much outside of what he wants. And so communicating like, this picking me up at the airport is a sticking point. And what you will receive from this is so much love and excitement. And this is what you'll get out of it, basically. The relationship, the health of the relationship. Okay. Well, I love that. And before I move on, we just, our intention for these episodes is to make them more accessible and palatable for folks who don't know a lot of the language of human design, because human design can be overwhelming when you're trying to learn the vocabulary. But for those that do, we just want to tell you a little bit about the ego authority from a mechanical perspective. And that is simply that anybody with an ego authority has a defined heart and that defined heart connects with a channel. So there's a connected line either up into the throat that makes them ego manifested. So they're here to speak what's on that defined heart, that power willpower of the heart or into their G center that the triangle in the middle, the identity center. And that's what makes an ego projected. And this is important all the centers below are white. So there's an open emotional center, an open sacral, an open spleen, and an open root. If any of those colored in, then you're not an ego authority. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next one, the self-projected projectors. So self-projected is the next authority. And every person who is self-projected is a projector. Woo. And there is 2.5% of the population that is a self-projected authority, a projector. Sam, what makes somebody a self-projected authority? What what does this mean? A self-projected authority means that for them to be able to make aligned decisions and for them to connect with where their kind of authentic self is leading them to and what feels true for their sense of identity, they need to speak from a place of themselves. They need to speak and literally just talk things out. That's why we call it self-projecting. It's like self-speaking, projecting themselves out. And in their speaking, that's when they hear the truth of what they actually want. That's where they hear where they're actually being pulled. And so there's a lot of important things. The first thing I think I'll ask you, Nadia, is how does a self-projector do this? Like, What are some practical things they can do? They need to be asking themselves all the time, will this make me happy? Do I feel like I am being directed toward this thing? It's very much around sort of like the sense of self and dropping into your body and being able to feel this sort of like still point within yourself and recognize like, where is the pulse of my life path pulling me? 
And self-projected authorities have a lot of openness in their chart, um, meaning they're going to be conditioned potentially by a lot of people and what they want for their lives and what society says that you should want and what your parents say that you should want. And so self-projected authorities really need to project, uh, protect rather what it is that they want. And by knowing that they have to hear themselves speak. Oftentimes self-projected authorities won't know what it is that they want until they hear themselves speaking out loud. And what they should really be talking about is like, what do I feel called toward? What do I feel pulled toward? What do I feel innately excited about? And I actually hear from a lot of self-projected authorities that journaling is a really powerful tool for them. I have a very good friend who, a mutual friend of Sam and I, will sit in a coffee shop and journal for two hours and come out of that session with so much clarity around an argument that she had with someone or something that's happening at work. And it's really just because she self-projected onto a page. The ideal state is that self-projected authorities can have safe people in their life, trusted confidants that they can just sort of like self-project to, not to hear the other person's opinion, but just to kind of like listen to their tone of voice as they're speaking. And self-projected authorities are really fun because their truth comes out as they start speaking. So they need this safe space to kind of like speak out loud and kind of go through twists and turns. And as they speak, they, they find the strength and the clarity in their tone of voice. I've heard self-projectors say like, I had no idea they'll say something. And it's like, I didn't know I thought that, like, yes. I didn't know that I believe that that just came out of me, but wow, there might be something to that. Or they'll say, Oh, I'm, I'm definitely not doing this. And then they'll say that and be like, well, that doesn't necessarily feel right. Well, maybe I'm going to do it. Okay. Well, here are all the reasons why I should do it. And then they'll go in a different way. And that's important. So there's a few important things for supporting self-projected projectors, whether they want to support themselves or if you can support someone else. Self-projected projectors need to make sure they're surrounded, as Nadia said, by people they feel safe with. Because they're a projector, they need to feel invited in. They need to feel like they can express candidly and openly what's on their heart. So if you're a self-projected projector and you have friends where you don't really feel like you can be your full self around, those aren't the people to go to to express. Or maybe let's say you have a decision that you're, you really don't know if you want to tell other people about. Maybe let's say you are thinking about um, leaving a marriage or something with really big implications. That would be a great opportunity to one, self-project to somebody really safe, like a therapist or a coach or someone that has confidentiality, or take it to a journal. It's just so important that there's some space where you can just let the truth rip and you don't have to worry about those implications or any consequences. You can just really be honest and get all of your feelings, emotions, and expressions outside of you. Yeah. And I think that what's important about self-projected is that there's truth in the present moment. There's truth and clarity as you hear yourself speaking in that moment. And so I think folks who are self-projected will receive so much from journaling, but it's only through actually starting to speak out loud to someone that they actually are starting to like feel it's like all of this um, energy within their bodies has, has an outlet and, and there's a lot of clarity in that. And so uh, this good friend that Sam and I have, I will be voice memoing with her back and forth. And she'll say, you know, like, I, I feel so like I've been journaling about this for the past week and a half and just speaking this out loud in an asynchronous voice memo, like now I have my clarity. So there's something about the, the act of speaking as well that can really sort of um, unleash the, the quality of clarity. I agree. And so another, another tool you could use, and I, I think the ideal is to talk to a person, but if, if that's unavailable for you, voice memo it, record it on your phone and voice memos, and you can even listen to it back. And you might even hear in your voice sometimes like that, like, okay, that doesn't sound right. I can, or, or just even the act of saying it aloud, you'll notice, okay, where am I being pulled? Absolutely. Are there any other examples that you can think of, Sam, of a self-projected authority who um, and how, how they self-project that we haven't already said? Journaling, speaking out loud to somebody else, voice memoing, uh, leaving a voice note in your phone. Yeah, none other that I can think of. I do know a lot of self-projected projectors might feel insecure about talking and just taking up that space. And as a self-projected projector, you can take up space. It's another reason why to surround yourself with people who are down for it, that are just willing to listen and that aren't trying to solve your problems for you. Maybe they'll ping pong. Maybe they'll ask you questions. That's okay. But they're not trying to direct you. You just get to take up the space to go through your own process. 
Yes. And one way of saying, I love that, Sam. I'm like snapping at that. Take up space, self-projective projectors. It's a gift. Uh, one way to, to say this to the people in your life that you trust is like, hey, can I talk something out loud with you? I'm actually not looking for advice. I'm really just trying to figure out how I feel about this. And I'd love for you to hold space for me. Um, and you'll be surprised at how relieved people will feel to have that specific instruction where it's like, you don't need to solve or fix anything for me. You just need to listen. And the people that are meant to be in your life will be so happy to just sort of be a listening ear for you as you work your way through your own decisions. I agree. And, you know, I think this is a really good time, Nadia, to talk about all of the openness because all the authorities that we're talking about today have a lot of openness. Some will have more than other, but just by the fact that if your authority or someone who knows authority is being discussed in this episode, we know no matter what. Um, that they have all these open centers, which means that the energy hubs in the chart are white and they're picking up other people's energy and amplifying it. And specifically, you're picking up other people's emotions from the solar plexus, the emotional center. You're picking other people's fears and anxieties from the spleen. You're picking other people's stress from the root. You're picking other people's energy for work and creation, which can be exhausting. So you're picking up a lot of emotional energy. You might be a sponge to other people's emotional up and downs, their joy, but also their sorrow and their pain, their grief, their anxiety, their stress, their fears, and amplifying that in your body. And that can be confusing. I think all of the authorities that we're talking about today can be a little bit harder to hear or discern because you're picking up so much in the human design, we call this conditioning. You're being conditioned by other people. Um, and it can get confusing. You might pick up someone else's emotions and think they're yours. You may pick up other people's, uh, what they're stressed about and think, oh, I, I'm stressed about this thing. And that can throw off the way your intuition and your inner voice is guiding you to. Yes. Said, said in another way, it's going to be harder for you to figure out what is yours versus what is someone else's. And this can be kind of a radical concept for those who are just getting into sort of the energetics of what it means to be a human, that so much of what you feel throughout a given day is sort of like the radio frequencies that you're picking up from other people. And that in and of itself can be a huge sigh of relief to figure out like, whoa, a lot of what's happening right now, this sort of chaotic energy that I'm picking up on doesn't need to be mine. I don't need to personalize it. So how could you clear this? If somebody was like, okay, well, I definitely do that. What are some tools, practices, tips to help them clarify their energy? Well, I think that the first thing is to drop into your body and just sort of like drop into your, uh, your physical vehicle to figure out what is it that I'm feeling right now. A lot of the times people can feel this sort of like low-grade anxiety or low-grade sadness or something that's sort of permeating, but people have not dropped out of their head and into their body to figure out like, whoa, I'm actually feeling a lot of stress right now, or I'm, I'm tensing up in my chest and I feel a lot of fear. Sam, what else would you say? If that idea, I think dropping in the body is perfect. And if that, I, if you're not really sure how to do that, you're not really sure what that means. Here's some examples of what that can look like. It can look like taking 10 deep breaths without kind of music, put your phone away just for a minute, 10 deep breaths, and then asking yourself, how am I feeling? Can I, am, am I feeling anything in my body? So it's just basically bringing our attention into our body and seeing if we can notice, are there any sensations that are present? Are there any um, heaviness or lightness, or maybe I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. Is there any information? It could be a meditation. It could be going on a walk. It could even be a dance party or an exercise. All of those can help you get in your body because the goal here is to see what we're feeling first, which is engage the body, then ask yourself, literally, how am I feeling? Like literally, you can even say the words out loud or on a journal page and then see if you can notice anything. And then the next question is, is, is this fine? You might already know, it might become obvious, but at the beginning, just ask yourself, is this mine? And see if you can try to pick it up. You might have some just knowing of like, I don't really think this anxiety is mine. I think I'm just maybe sensitive to people around me. So then to help move it, you can say, I'm releasing this. I send it back wherever it came from blessed. 
You can go on a walk, you can go on a run, you can take a shower or a bath, you can wash your hands, you can take some sage and light it and kind of cleanse your area. And you, any of these things work, really any activity, as long as you set the intention of I'm releasing what isn't mine. Absolutely. Oh, I love all of those practices so much. And, and the only other one that I would add is getting out into nature. There's a reason why when we're out in nature, especially when we're in nature alone, that we feel this shift in perspective and how I feel energetically is that I can sort of like release a lot of my burdens and the, and the worries and, and the fears and whatever it is that's not mine that I'm picking up on into nature in a way. It's almost like it, it gets transmuted and that energy feels a lot clearer when I come away from that hike that I was on. I, I totally agree. I think that getting into nature is one of the best things and you don't have to be you can just do it. Like you don't have to get anything on your mind, but my invitation is if you do that, leave your headphones at home um, or at least have five minutes where you don't listen to your headphones, where you don't take your phone out to take pictures, where you're just present. And that can be really uncomfortable because all the busy thoughts can come up, but it's important to cut out the noise so you can see kind of any inner noise and see what of the inner noise do I need to release? Yes. And you can be picking up on the energy of the people closest to you physically, your family members, even if they're not physically close or collective energy. There's a lot of collective energy that's pulsing right now. So I just wanted to name that as well. And Sam, you started with 10 deep breaths. And as you were saying that I started like breathing and noticing the energy in my body shift and people talk about breath work and breathing a lot. But I just want to communicate to people. It is a free tool that's available to you in every moment. And just notice how your body changes as you take a deep breath, a belly breath in and, and notice how sort of the energy in your body shifts just through that simple act. It's such a beautiful tool. It's like we have a tendency to want to complicate things. It's almost because it feels like it'll make it easier to this hard thing, but it's actually the stuff that's right available. That's all we need. A hundred percent. The hard part is settling in enough to actually use it. Yes. So even if you just pause this right now, and take 10 deep breaths and just simplify. And even saying, like, I like to say a mantra to myself, I am here. You can also say, I am safe. I am supported. I'm guided. I am love. I am loving awareness. Whatever it is that resonates with you, just kind of just breathing and simplifying things for a moment. I'm clear. Ah, I love it. Well, I think that's a great, this is a great time to talk about our next authority, the mental projector. So you can see different names for this. Um, it can be mental projector, mental authority. It can be sounding board, or I've seen um, environment. Cool. What is this authority, Nadia? What is this authority? So this authority means that you have a fairly busy mind and you have a brilliant mind. You have a lot of thoughts that are moving through your head. You're here to process information and also help be an external authority for other people through your mind. You're going to help be able to do a lot of planning and brainstorming and ideating with other people. But what can be very confusing if you have mental authority, meaning you have a lot of mental activity, is that you actually don't have any definition in, in the bottom half of your chart. And what that means is that even though you have such a brilliant and beautiful mind and you can ruminate on things, you still can't use that mental authority in order to make decisions. To actually figure out what's best for you, you have to be able to sort of speak things out loud. And you're going to notice a theme through a lot of these authorities about speaking things into existence and, and understanding the quality and tone of your voice as you speak to, to figure out what's right for you. So I would say that mental authority or mental projectors, you'll be a projector if you have this authority, is very similar to the self-projected that we shared before. But self-projected has this deep sense of self that they can tap into as they speak. Mental authorities are able to speak and sort of like understand the thoughts that are happening in their head in a clearer way. I agree. So a mental authority is going, as Nadia says, is mental energy. You have this consistent way of conceptualizing ideas. You have these strong convictions in your thoughts, but because you have all this other openness, you're picking up a lot of other emotional energy. And so while like, if we were looking at the chart, the way it might feel for self projector versus a mental projector is different. The actual things that you do to come up with what is best for you is similar. And that is you're speaking from your mind. You're speaking from 
you know, you're speaking based on your ideas and you're speaking out to a bunch of different people. So mental projectors, they should assemble kind of like a board of directors and people that they trust, people with different perspectives. And when they have something they want to talk out, they'll go speak to these different people. And it is important that it's different people because mental projectors are so open they'll be conditioned, that word that we use in human design, by different people differently. And so it's important that they have the experience of maybe somebody brings in a lot of emotional energy, someone else brings a lot of um, intuitive energy, someone else brings a lot of sense of identity and willpower, and all of that can influence the mental projector. And so they speak to different types of people. And in speaking, they begin to hear kind of their thoughts become more consistent. They're not speaking for advice. They're like a sounding board. They're saying things and just hearing it kind of bounce off. And over time, whenever they start to feel their decision getting more grounded, that they're not changing their mind anymore, that they're hearing themselves say the same thing, that's when they know it's they're ready. Yeah. And I just find it so interesting being a mental projector that the place that you're in, the environment is so important for you. And that's why sounding board is sometimes called environment authority, because it's like these folks aren't going to know exactly what it is that they want until they're around the right people or in the right space where they feel that energy sort of like reflected back to them. And that's how they sort of, they can find clarity in their bodies. Yes. And this is one of the key differences between a mental projector and a self-projected projector is the mental projector Um, is very sensitive to their environment. And if they're in the wrong environment, everything else can kind of go wrong too. The people that they meet won't sit right or they won't really connect with as well. The ideas, the opportunities, the things that come along in that space. So it's so important. And this is also going to be true for reflectors. They're also really impacted by their environment. It's so important for um, mental projectors to give themselves permission to move. If you don't like your environment, change it. If you don't, if you go into an apartment and you're like, um, you're maybe apartment, you're, you're trying to figure out the next place you're going to live. And it just doesn't feel right to you, even though it checks all the boxes, do not pick that one. Um, you go out with your friends, maybe you picked a bar and you get in there and something is just off. Ask your friends, do you guys mind if we go to the other place across the street? This place just is not feeling right. You have the power to shift it. Not everybody will understand why you need to do that. Because other people will be like, I don't know, it feels fine to me. The right people, though, will give you that permission because it's really not a big deal. And it's so important for you to be able to kind of listen to your own intuition and for you to feel good in, in your body. Yeah. And I think another thing is just having a group of trusted advisors, people in your life that, again, you can speak to and they're not going to give you advice. They're just going to listen and and reflect back to you and say, you know, I heard your tone of voice shift as you talked about this thing. Like I heard a lot of excitement in your voice and and that will sort of help you like as a sounding board. It's like as things bounce off of other people, how does that make you feel? Before we move on to our last authority, I just want to kind of for those who might have a little bit of technical interest in this, um, how these two authority, you know, how this authority works. And basically anybody is a mental projector. If they have the very top shape, which is the head connected to the Ajna, which is the second shape from the top, they're both triangles um, or their Ajna, which is a second shape connected to their throat. And then everything else underneath is white which means they have an open identity center. They don't have their own consistent sense of identity and direction. And they may really feel very mutable. They don't have this consistent sense of willpower, um, emotional energy, intuitive energy. All of that is open versus a self-projector projector because we didn't explain this. There's this diamond shape in the center. It's called the G center. And it's your sense of identity and sense of internal direction. Anybody who's a self-projector projector has that consistent energy. It's colored in and it's connected up into the throat. And then everything beneath that is white. Um, so that is kind of, if you were looking at the chart or curious about that, that's how that shapes up. Great. So Sam, I guess this gets us to our final authority, which is lunar authority. And the lunar authority is the authority of reflectors. This is the only place where if you have a certain energy type, you have a definite authority. So anybody with a lunar authority is a reflector. Nadia, could you give a quick review of what reflectors are? 
Yeah. Reflectors are magical, mystical beings. Reflectors are only 1% of the population. And you'll know that you're looking at a reflector chart when you pull it up and every single center or shape or chakra on the, on the chart is white and it's not colored in. And what that means, reflectors are taking in all of the energy. They are completely receptive to everything that everybody is, is sort of feeling and, and experiencing all the time. And so reflectors are moving through this world and they are sort of like connected to collectively what we're feeling. They're connected to the heartbeat of the entire organization. Whereas, you know, projectors are tuned into one thing or one system or one person at a time. Reflectors have this ability to feel everybody at once. And so just as an interesting tidbit, a lot of the reflectors that I know are yoga teachers. And that might just be by coincidence, but it makes sense because reflectors can teach a yoga class and be at the center of the class and feel in a single moment, what's going to be the, the stretch that's going to be best attuned to everybody's bodies right now. And I think that's a really cool thing. And reflectors are basically meant to be at the center of our communities and our organizations and functions and tell us, how is it going? How is everything working together right now? What is the health of the whole? I thank you for that summary. And Nadia and I, as you you all might know, have a deep dive episode on reflectors with Tanya Reyes, which we highly recommend. We actually talk about this authority in that episode too. And because reflectors are so open, as Nadia said, and they're picking up so much, their authority is to wait 28 full days. Their authority is to wait an entire lunar cycle. That's how long it takes for the moon to circle the earth. And in that space, if they wait a full 28 days, they're likely to experience clarity. So whatever our friend Tanya talks about this on the last episode, when she has a decision, she puts it in her calendar for 28 days and she checks in then. And there's been, she has so many examples of, let's say times where she didn't wait her authority and she let's say she wanted sunglasses. This actually happened and she didn't wait her authority and she just bought them like two weeks in and then they went on and they were like, were, you know, she couldn't return them. And then they went on like sale like two weeks later. And if she had just waited her authority, it would actually work. There was another time when she was like, I should have waited my authority. And I had gotten all these human design resources and I like sent them to her. And she was like, I literally just paid a hundred dollars for these yesterday. And I knew I should have waited, but I was feeling like angsty about it. So I just bought them. And then she has all these other examples of times where she did wait her authority and everything aligned right. Or she really thought she wanted something at the end of 28 days. She just didn't anymore. And she felt a lot more confident in her decisions when you do that. But of course, waiting 28 days is hard because most people expect you to make decisions. Oh, are you going to come on a trip? I don't know. I'll let you know in a month. Like a lot of people would have a hard time with that. And it's something I'm really grateful for human design because now I realize that that amount of people need to wait. Certain people need to wait. So why do they have to wait, Sam? What is the 28 days about? Why is it so important that reflectors have the space? The reason it's so important is because in human design, the astrological weather really impacts us. And for reflectors, they're especially impacted by the astrological weather. And by that, I mean the placements of the planets and how they impact with these energetic frequencies we discuss in human design called gates. And over the course of 28 days, a reflector or anybody, everybody in the world experiences an entire range of kind of the energetic frequencies or weather patterns. It's like we get all of them at once in those 28 days. And so not at once, but over time. Um, and so when you get to the end of 28 days, you know, you've been had all these different impacts. So you have some clarity of, okay, was I really feeling like this? Or was this just the, uh, the astrological weather was really intense that week and it was making, it was bringing up these emotions and it was really conditioning me. It was impacting me. And now that that weather pattern has kind of like shifted my mind shifts about it. And so after 28 days, you've had enough of different impacts. Um, but the same thing can be said about people. And over 28 days, you get in, influenced by enough different people, usually, not always, because you might still have your family or your partner, but you're impacted by enough different people that you kind of can figure out what's mine and what's everyone else's or what's the weather patterns, the astrological weather patterns. Totally. Yeah. And said another way, reflectors are picking up on everything all the time. 
And so who's to say that as they're picking up on something, they wouldn't act out of a decision. And actually what they were acting out of is what the energy they felt on the planet or the energy that they felt from their partner or their friends or their family. And so for reflectors to just really center themselves and ground themselves into the, into a decision that is them underneath all the noise that they pick up from others, they just need time. And so for reflectors, you really work on a different time schedule than our modern society allows for. So for a lot of reflectors, we'll be in readings with them, Sam and I, and and separately, and, and each of us tell them this. And I'm surprised at how many reflectors are like, oh, oh, that makes so much sense. Because lunar authority is basically like, you know, watching the phases of the moon and feeling this different side of yourself come out as you move through these 28 days. And yeah, I think reflectors, the permission that I want to give you if you're listening to this is take your time. Don't act out of rush. If somebody is rushing you to make a decision, the answer might be no for you. And how much can you slow down the pace of your life so that you can really tune into yourself? If you have to make a quick decision, maybe for some reason, like you truly do, then lean on that sounding board authority, like what we suggest the authority for mental projectors and talk to a few very different people in your life and speak out what you're feeling and, and see if you can see, hear any themes or if different people bring out different sides of you and you can kind of get a picture because sometimes 28 days is just extremely hard. You know, maybe you have some important decisions and you just simply can't wait that long. Um, but for most decisions, you probably could wait. And it just, it's just really uncomfortable too. The other thing for lunar authorities, reflectors, as we mentioned earlier, is to be very mindful of your environment. You are so sensitive to your environment. And so it's really important for you to tend to your environment to make sure that your environment is safe and clean and, and it feels really good for you. Maybe you need to put some extra resources or attention into it to make it a space that you really love being, or maybe you need to shift some things of your life. If there are aspects of your life that you just really don't feel good in those environments. Yeah. And, you know, for reflectors and for all deconditioning processes, but especially those who have lunar authority and are so open, getting into nature is so important. Because it's through getting into nature and ideally alone, if you can, so that you're not picking up on anybody's energy, that's the way that you're really going to recharge and refresh and sort of like clear out all of the energy that you've been picking up on from other people and come back to yourself. Even if you don't get into nature, how much time are you giving yourself alone outside of the conditioning of any other energetic frequency? How often are you actually putting down your phone? Because we receive so much from the energetic frequencies of media and what's going on in the world. So reflectors, it's just knowing that you're going to be a sponge to the energy that you're in. So choose the people that you're around really wisely and give yourself as much alone time as feels nourishing for you to come to your own clarity. And I want to flag, you know, obviously reflectors need 28 days, so they should not be rushed, but many of the other types really can't be rushed either. If you're sounding board, you might need to talk with a lot of other people. You might feel really confused about what's yours and what's not. You might not need 28 days or always need that, but you might need time. Emotional wave people, you often need a lot of time. Um, sometimes maybe to sleep on it for a night or two nights, but it's not unusual for me to need a month or two or three months or sometimes even longer. Not, I wouldn't say it's super common, but it definitely happens. And self-projected projectors and also may need some space to be able to talk things out and have that space. So remember for anybody, because there are certain authorities like sacral and splenic where you really are able to make spontaneous decisions. And you may often feel confused or frustrated why other people can't just go ahead and go along when you just get so much clarity so quickly. Human design is an amazing teacher that we are all so different and we all are always working on different timelines. Love it. I just want to add that two of my closest friends just got married and one is a reflector and one is a mental projector. And as I was thinking through what I could say about them in their speech, um, in a speech that I was giving at their wedding, I just recognized that there were so many similarities between them, uh, that they are both meant to sort of be in the right environment and they're meant to talk things out and not receive advice, but just to hear themselves over time. They're meant to have space to make decisions. And I'm so happy that they ended up together. 
Oh, <laughs> that's really sweet. Yeah. There's no hard and fast rules for like which type should end up with which type or which authority is complementary. It's more just understanding the person that you're with is a completely unique and differentiated individual. So how much can you get to know them and how they're designed to move through the world? How much can you communicate? And human design gives us an amazing language to say, this is how I work so that you can exist in a way that reduces as much friction as possible with the people that you spend time with. It's such a beautiful tool. And I hope you all learned something from this. If you liked this episode, share it on your Instagram stories and tag us, send it to a friend, leave us a review on Apple podcasts, um, depending, you know, we each have podcasts. So you may be coming to this through my podcast, Wild River. You may be coming through Nadia's podcast, The Current. We post on both. So as many people who are interested in human design can find this and enjoy this. And if you want to hear other podcast episodes, let us know, um, send us a DM, or if this resonated with you or helped you in some way, let us know. It's awesome. Awesome to hear from you. Yes. And if you feel called to join us to really study deep with us, we would love to have you. The group that's already assembled for the fall cohort of human design training is amazing. And we hope to see you then. Have a good one. 